This is Who Makes a Podcast? Conversations with your favorite podcast hosts about who they are, the shows they make, and why they make them. I'm your host, Chris Cookley, and my guest today is DJ Fluck. DJ is a graduate of Purdue University and father of twin girls, an electrical engineer by day, an aspiring media mogul and sim racer by night. DJ is the co-founder of Stadium Scene, a sports publication and networking company with a customer base of over 200 sports blogs, podcasts, and video producers. He's the host of the Stadium Scene's main event podcast, where he has interviewed people like Chris Myers, John Anderson, and Steve Lavin. In this episode, we talk about sticking with your podcast past when no one is listening, building a collaborative podcast network, how to conduct a good interview, and so much more. I've known DJ for a number of years, and you'll hear how right at the start of the episode, and I enjoyed reconnecting with him and hearing about Stadium Scene and how he's building that. There's a lot to learn in this episode, and so here is my conversation with DJ Fluck. DJ, welcome to Who Makes a Podcast. Well, thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. It's been a while since we've talked. So for people who don't know, we actually went to college kind of together. I think you were a couple years ahead of me, but I, I knew you while you were there. We both went to Purdue University. And then, you know, we have a, a mutual friend, Mike, who kind of reconnected us when he realized that I make a podcast and you make a podcast and my podcast is about people who podcast. Uh, so he said, hey, you should uh, you should talk to DJ. He makes a, a podcast and he's got some pretty cool things going on. Um, for my listeners who don't know who you are, would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself and where you're from originally and, and where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, on side note real quick, you know, we, we did not live in the dorm together. I, I was out of there. I had moved on. I was Mike's roommate. Yep. He stayed, stayed behind in the dorms when I, I left, but we did sit together for, I believe two seasons of football. Yes. Uh, yeah. We were in the se- same seating group. And do you recall there was a girl who would get really upset because somebody would be sitting in her seat when she'd show up in the second quarter? Do you, do you have any memory of that? I, I don't have a specific memory of that. I do have a very vivid memory of those those two seasons. Every single football game, I'm pretty sure that we went to, we had, or at least I feel like I had seats that were maybe in the upper bowl, and then we would always sneak down mm-hmm. to the lower bowl, uh, yep. either before the game started or as soon as the game started. Yeah, and there was, this, there was this girl who, she would show up like midway through the second quarter. Yep. And get really upset because somebody was in her seat. And we probably were. Yeah, I think it was probably you. <laughs> it could have been. It very well could have been. Uh, yeah, I, I miss those football games. It's been a long time. It's Yeah, it's been a long time since I've been to a, a Purdue game. But um, but on that note, I'm, I'm originally from Indiana. Uh, I grew up in a town called Kokomo, which is about an hour north of Indianapolis. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I ended up at Purdue University for college. And as soon as I graduated, my uh, my first instinct was, I'm going to go rent a U-Haul, and I'm getting out of here. And uh, I get out of the state, <laughs> that is, and I, I packed up and I, I moved to Chicago. I haven't really told this part of the story much to people. Some people know this, a lot. most people don't. I didn't really have a job lined up. Um, I was doing some kind of contract work, but there was a risk that I took... Uh, moving to Chicago 
I had an apartment. They gave me an apartment because I had a job, even though it was, you know, it was contract based. It was, you know, I had to be on the road traveling. And if I wasn't traveling, um, I wasn't getting paid. And there could have been a point where there was no work for me to go out on the road. And then I would, you know, I would technically be employed, but I wouldn't be getting paid. Ah. And I, I kind of figured this out. I, I did this in August, September, and I was working the traveling job. I was living in Minnesota. And I figured to myself, I have about enough money, uh, or I get to the end of December, I, I decide to go home for a while because I had an interview back in Chicago. And I said, if I don't get this job, I have about two months before I'm completely broke, completely broke. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And fortunately, you can call it fate, luck, being at the right place at the right time. One, I got that job that I interviewed for. And at that point, I had just started a few months earlier dating my now wife. We've been married now for it'll be 10 years in July. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, yeah, we you said in the intro, um, you know, I have twin daughters who just turned four in January. So, you know, early, early lesson is, you know, you hear it about betting on yourself and, you know, you're going to hear a lot of that of, you know, with what I got into and, and how I, you know, got into this world. It, it's, it's a lot of betting on yourself. And, and, you know, as far as, you know, stadium scene goes, I have not taken anything risky, um, you know, like that, where I would risk going completely broke, uh, probably because my wife would, you know. <laughs> You have to be a little bit more responsible now. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's a little bit different when you're 23 years old. You have, you know, about $2,000 cash to your name. Yeah. You know, 60 some thousand dollars in college debt and uh, and a contract job. And you're just like, man, I'm on top of the world. And then you look back like, that was really stupid. What was I thinking? But it, in the end, it, it, it all worked out for me. Yeah, well, you're young and you can recover at that point. There's no yeah, responsibilities. I mean, you know, the housing market had just collapsed four months, five months earlier. Yep. You know, if I had to, you know, have my parents rent a U-Haul for me because I'm completely broke and uh, move me back to Indiana and back to their basement, I mean, that would have been an unfortunate setback. But, um, you know, it, again, it, it didn't. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I lived in the Chicago area for about eight years. I've been in Arizona now. Wow, in June it'll be six years already. That's hard to believe. The, the best decision I ever made was was moving out here. Uh, my parents, who still live in Indiana, are, are you know weren't happy about it, and they especially weren't happy about it when you know their first grandchildren were born. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I haven't seen snow in almost six years, and I don't really mind. Yeah, it's interesting uh, the path that you took. I actually had a, a very similar exit to Purdue, although in the opposite direction. So you moved north to Chicago without a job, essentially. And uh, after my wife graduated from Purdue, she's a couple years behind me, um, but after she graduated from Purdue, we moved down to Nashville. And I neither of us had jobs when we moved to Nashville. And I, I, I had a job at Purdue at the time, so she actually moved to Nashville by herself. And I commuted... Uh, not commuted. I, I went down every weekend to see her in Nashville for about six weeks. She lived down there by herself as I was trying to find a job so I could move down there with oh, her man. while I kept my job at Purdue because it was the only income that we had. Were you married at that point? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, we were. <laughs> uh, we had we had gotten married a year before. So uh, 
our 10-year anniversary is in June this year. Oh, wow. Well, congratulations on, on that. 10 Thank years you. is a is a big deal. It is, mm. yeah. And uh, I mean, you I, have... I don't know about you, but my friends are like, you're not going to last. She's going to walk out of you <laughs> after a year. I'm like, I wouldn't, you know, if you made a bet on that, I wouldn't bet against that. But hey, here we go. 10 goes by fast. And then you have you have four-year-old twin girls. I have a four-year-old daughter. And then we just had an, uh, a son. So I also have two, but they're not, thankfully, not the same age. So you moved to Arizona at some point, right? What was what drove you to from Chicago to Arizona? I don't know if I got that in your story. So it was 20, let's see. It was actually kind of a, started as a joke. Um, in 2014, my... Uh, my, my wife and I, we were looking for a vacation destination and we always would go to Florida and I'm like, let's do something different this year. I'm sick of going to Florida every year. And, and she goes, okay, where are we going? And I go, I don't know. We want to go to Scottsdale. She's like, Arizona. I go, yeah. And she goes in the middle of the summer. I go, yeah. Like it's not any worse than going to Florida in the middle of the summer. I mean, it's yeah, it's hot. And I said, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to get there. And within 12 hours, you're going to be looking at real estate or you're going to be back at the airport with your bags getting on a plane back home. And, well, I'm here, so here's your spoiler (laughs) alert. (laughs) You liked it. Yeah, we liked it. So we went back down in, uh, you know, again in 2015. We went back uh, and stayed in a different part of Phoenix, up in North Phoenix. um, And we ended up hiring a realtor that summer and meeting with her. We said, we're, we're, we're going to be moving next year. And I'm sure the realtor's like, yeah, I'm sure you are. I get people like that, like you all the time. And, and, and sure enough, next spring, um, again, just sheer dumb luck. One of my former customers from a previous job moved their office to Scottsdale and they were rapidly expanding their, their engineering operations and um, I I found out about it. I got word of it through a, a friend who still works for the company today. And uh, I applied and I spent m- Memorial Day weekend driving my Ford Fusion with a U-Haul hooked to the back of it and <laughs> drove it across the country from Chicago into into Phoenix. So you mentioned stadium scene in your, your introduction. And that is, if I have this right, it's your network of sorts that you have put together how would you describe it what is stadium scene it didn't start out that way um i i worked with at my previous company before i moved out to arizona i had a co-worker that we used to eat lunch together all the time and we were i i don't know if you want to say bored with our jobs but we felt we weren't really challenged and we were kind of you know rebellious like i don't want to work you know i want to work for myself type of people sure. and we were kind of brainstorming like how can we do this and we didn't really have any good ideas at the time. So we said, well, you know, let's, let's just, you know, it's, it's again, the complete wrong way of doing something. It's just like, it's become the story of my life where I just do something the complete wrong way. And eventually I find my way back to where I should be. And we, we said, Hey, you know, let's build this travel guide online and see if we can get in and build some advertising on it. And, you know, it was a blog. You know, it was, it was kind of like a blog. It was, it was, but it isn't. Uh, and we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we knew some basic coding. And again, we had the problem of most blogs is no regular traffic. Yep. We get a little bit here and there that somebody would stumble across it on Google somehow. Um, 
Nobody, nobody came to visit. So then we said, okay, we're moving into the podcast world. Um, and what year is this? This was 2017. Yeah, okay. 2017. So and it was February 2017. And we said, let's do a podcast. And, you know, we talk about sports and travel and sports travel and all that. Um, you know, that was what our, our travel guide. We built these stadium guides. They actually still exist on the, on the site today. Um, we unfortunately... We had a like a bar and restaurant guide near the stadium too, but we unfortunately in the last two years had to get rid of it because so many of them have have shut down. Sure, and I feel awful because we had some really great partners we worked with, but you know our our model has evolved, and with so many closing down, we just couldn't keep up with it. But you know we were like, oh, let's feature a different city in each each podcast, and then it's just like, okay, that didn't get any traffic either and it just you know let's throw in until something sticks and uh we brought in a third host for a while and and we were talking about sports and we were talking about just anything and and just it was just going nowhere um and and i read some advice that that changed things for me and changed my perspective and probably saved this whole operation and it was the average podcast will fail after three episodes. I think I've heard that as well, yeah. And it's, you know, you either realize it's not for you, it's too much work, uh, you get frustrated because nobody's listening to you. And it's, you know, you look at it, you you have no, as I have no name recognition, I have no brand recognition, you know, and, and many of us out there in, are in the same boat. Like, nobody knows who we are. Nobody cares who we are. You know, if, if, you know, for example, controversy aside, you know, Joe Rogan starts a podcast years ago. Joe Rogan was famous for his comedy. He was f- famous for Fear Factory. He's famous for, you know, his on the UFC. He has the name recognition already. You know, people follow him on social media already. Him jumping into the podcast world was, you know, was a natural fit. It's like if he could hold a conversation with people, and obviously he can because, you know, people have jumped on that that train, um, you know, that, that makes it a lot easier than someone like me or, or you coming into the business and, and trying to break out, uh, you know, the, a bottomless pit of advertising will not solve that problem. Yeah. Um, the, the next one was the top 1% of podcasts out there. Uh, as far as number of episodes go is 20 episodes. So if you get to episode 20 with your podcast, you're now in the top 1%, which is just another mind blowing stat. There's a lot of people that dabble and uh, mm-hmm. don't don't yes. stick with it. Correct, for for sure. And you know, dealing with what we you know, I'll get into that here in a second. But dealing with what what we do, people come and go. We we fully expect that with the model. You know, it's it's the nature. People get all gung ho. They want to start their blog. They want to start their podcast. And and you know, they they realize like this is too much work. It's it's work. It's not. I'm just going to hit record and just you know shoot the you know what i don't know if i'm allowed to use profanity on here or not sure. so i won't for you uh, <laughs> but you know shoot it with my friends you know we're just going to talk for an hour and we're going to be entertaining and sponsors are going to line up at the door and millions of people are going to you know listen to this show it, it doesn't work that way it, it it you are completely crazy if you think that's going to work it's not i'm, I'm going to save you time right now uh, I, I we we kind of actually discourage people from starting shows because you know we, we want to say it's a lot of work if you're not willing to put the work in, you're not willing to suffer through those, you know, one listen, two listens, which are your, you know, your parents or your siblings or your friends, you're never going to make it. 
it's it's that's really about it and where we decided to go different is there's a lot of us out there that are in the same boat together pretty much everyone and we said what happens if we kind of play off of each other you know we have you know we have different maybe we have different topics that we work on it's like okay your show may be about soccer yours may be about baseball like they have very little to do with each other but you know, just because I do a soccer show doesn't mean I know nothing about baseball. And, you know, you can do that. Like, you can, you know, work together with these people um, and, and and network together and kind of use each other's followings to kind of build each other's followings up. You know, if I have, you know, we have 4,000 Instagram followers. We have five, almost 5,000 Twitter followers. And, you know, this guy may have 200 Twitter followers, but if I come in and introduce him and say, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is Bill from Bill's baseball podcast, you know, we can have him on as a guest. We go on and, and vice versa. And, you know, now all of a sudden, okay, maybe some of my 5,000 followers go and check out Bill. You know, some of the Bill's 200 come and check out us. And, and now all of a sudden you're starting to kind of snowball a little bit and get that momentum going. And, and, you know, to, to further build it out, you know, the, the website stadiumscene.tv, if you go there right now, it is meant as a showcase. It's not meant as they, you know, this is the app you listen to your, your, your podcast on. Uh, we're meant to introduce you to people. And we've got the, the links right there to go subscribe. You know, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you like Spotify, if you, you know, Stitcher, whatever. You know, you click on that, it takes you right to your, you know, open your Stitcher app on the phone or your Apple podcast, you hit subscribe. You know, Bob's podcast now just gained a subscriber. And we fully, from our model, we we, we fully expect people will come and go from the site, but we also expect they're going to come back and look and see what else is new. So it's like, yeah, they're not going to listen to Bob's podcast on our website. I'm fine with that. And, and it's really worked out well for us. Hey, it's Chris. Can I jump in here for a minute and ask if you have thought about making your own podcast? If you have, you may have realized there's a lot more that goes into it than you might have thought. Don't worry. I have a gift for you. I want you to have my podcast quick start checklist. From what microphone and recording software you should use to how you host and distribute your show, I'm here to help with all of that and more. My podcast quick start checklist will walk you through everything you need to know to start your podcast. I'll show you what's actually important. To get my podcast quick start checklist, go to whomakesapodcast.com slash start and tell me where to send it. Now let's get back to the episode. So just to just to clarify, it if if I have a podcast that's like a sports podcast, I assume. I can come to you and say, uh, DJ at Stadium Scene, I want my podcast to be listed on your website. It, it's it's like mm-hmm. a, a directory almost, kind of a, I don't want to say a Yelp, but kind of like a Yelp of podcasts in a specific niche. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's similar. Um, it, it, it's set up like a news site. Like okay. if you were to go and look at ESPN or Fox sports, it, it kind of has a similar, you know, their website, it has kind of a similar feel. You know, we have a headlines page at the top, uh, you know, and you scroll down and it's like, okay, I can go and search by category. I can go and look at all the baseball content on there or football, whatever sport interests you. Um, you know, we, we like I said, we're, we, you know, we're, we're setting this up as, as a, 
as a showcase, as a sports page that, you know, you can come in and find what you're looking for and, and look for something new that might interest you. You know, you're bored with your regular podcast and we've got a whole collection. Um, and uh, the analogy that we've kind of come for our creation is, you know, if, you know, if ESPN and Fox Sports and Barstool are the, the sharks and the large fish of the sea and we're the little, you know, we're the minnows. You know, you look at, at fish in the sea, the smaller ones, and so they're not attacked by the sharks. They school together. They yep. they work together as, you know, a, a school of 50 or 100 or more little fish. And as the school, they scare the shark away, you know. And we feel we're the same way. We're that school of fish that we're hoping that our school is large enough that we scare the shark a little bit. And, and at the very least, you know, we've worked with a couple people that have actually... I, I, you know, not directly because of us. I'm not taking credit for that. It's their hard work, but they've they've actually parlayed themselves, uh, you know, from being you know a blogger, a podcaster, and they're you know we have a guy who works for a newspaper now as a sports writer. We have people that have contributed to the site that are writers for NBC Sports now. I mean, we you know we've had people come through in the last couple of years that you know that have built their way into the real journalism field, and you know I. I like I said, I'm not taking credit for any of that, but it's still cool to know that this you know this person was a, a an independent podcaster on our site that all of a sudden is now working for you know the big time. They 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 their dream of being part of that big organization or that big journalism organization happened for them. Yeah, and I I just think that's really cool. All right, so how many podcasts are publishing on on Stadium Scene? How many do you have in your? Uh, conglomerate i guess or your co-op uh, yeah maybe. It's, it's pretty much a conglomerate yeah it's it's 155 okay. uh podcasts and i would say probably 120 130 of them are still considered active which you know they produce a show more than once every six months or so mm-hmm. i mean one of one of our first partners that we actually partnered with i should have looked this up before i went but I want to say they're closing in on episode 400. They're on episode number eight when they joined with us. Wow. Okay. So, so, I mean, people do stick around and we're really, you know, it's, I'm going to go ahead and plug them is the, they're the loud Americans discussing soccer podcast. Also, you know, they go by the lads. Yeah. They've, they've built up quite a following in themselves. Uh, but you know, they've, they've done live shows uh, to get, you know, at, at bars, you know, they were really, you know, they were kind of partner number one for us. Cool. And I, I hunted them down and said, hey, I've got this vision. And you can call me crazy and tell me to go away. But here's, here's how I see it. And you know, they, they, they saw the vision. They joined on. And, and you know, this is going on five years now that they've been working with us. And we're, you know, we're just super thrilled that they continue to, to produce. To that point, are you still doing outreach to bring shows on, or are you just kind of as people come to you, you take them? Yes, yes, and no. Um, when we first got started, you know, our first, you know, thirty-five or forty, uh, maybe not quite that much. Maybe our first twenty-five or thirty were outreach by me. Um, you know, maybe one kind of heard something and, and came and reached out. Um, but once we hit that forty to fifty mark, the word was starting to get out that people are coming to us now. And I still reach out to people and I still try to forge partnerships with, with large organizations. You know, one of them is, is the hockey podcast network. I think they're right now, I think they're like 35 of our shows. Uh, you know, they, they kind of form together as a, an alliance of independent hockey podcasters. 
you know, most of them cover a single team. Some of them are more like stats and some are culture, hockey, interviewing related. But we, we partnered with them a couple of years ago when they got started and, and you know, we, they're a very valuable partner of ours. Or, you know, they, they provide a lot of our, our you know, about 99% of our hockey content on the site. So, you know, it's, it's one of those where we, we kind of seek these, these people out and, you know, talk about it and have a discussion. And maybe because they're a large organization, we, you know, we treat it a little bit differently than if, if one person comes in. All right. So you have, if you look at your website, you know, you said it, it's kind of like a, a news feed almost. So there are recent episodes from the podcast on your network that are kind of flowing into that are, are hosts yep. uploading to your site manually or are you dynamically grabbing their show data we we, we are dynamically grabbing it and okay. that's one of the reasons why i think this is done so well what's the um, technology look like to do that how, how are you doing that so it, it's it's a lot of you know if a, if a professional programmer looked at our code they would be like how does this even work <laughs> like like not not like how is this successful in, in working? I guess is yeah. really the, it works. It, it's, it's, you know, I'm not a professional coder by trade. Uh, I don't Scotch claim tape to be. and bubble gum. Yeah, but it, it, so it works. So basically, you know, we, we more or less follow the same concepts that Apple podcast does. You know, every, every podcast has what they call an RSS feed, which it, it's a, you know, for those who don't know, it's, it's basically this, you know, this page of code that has what they call tags on them. And there'll be a tag for like the title of your episode, one for the, the description, one for the length of the episode, one for um, the link to, to download the episode. Uh, there's a, a tag for explicit that if you know, your, your, ta- your show is full of profanity, you know, iTunes puts that explicit tag on your show. Uh, it's, and this is a universal format that's been accepted by the podcasting world. And, and, you know, YouTube working with videos, they have something very similar blogs. Again, something very similar. Um, podcasts is, are the easiest because the blogs, there are some variation to doing it. That one took a little bit more work on my part, but, but basically when you go and if you use, you know, anchor or, you know, any of the other podcast hosting companies, we use anchor, uh, but you, you upload your podcast to Anchor, and if you've registered and have it on those other sites, which, you know, Anchor will do it for you for the most part, uh, you know, it just shows up on Apple Podcasts. It shows up on, on you know, Google Play. It shows up on Spotify. And, and it works the same way with us. You know, we take your feed, your RSS feed link, and, you know, we don't – iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I guess now – they scan it every couple of minutes looking for new shows. And, you know, obviously I don't have the infrastructure or the know-how or the money that Apple does, but, you know, we scan once an hour, 20 minutes after the hour for podcasts. We scan 40 minutes after the hour for videos. And at the top of the hour, we look for blogs. And, you know, it's basically, I'm just doing some basic comparisons and saying, oh, there it is. Uh, There's a new episode there. And we pull it into our database and we publish it to the site. So cool. there's no additional work that has to be done by the by the content creator. You know, we tell them keep doing what you're doing. Just keep posting, and it'll it'll pop up automatically. It'll it'll pop up automatically. Yep. Are you doing anything to help facilitate any kind of cross promotion across podcasts between the shows that are on your network? Like, are you having sometimes? 
you know, if you if you think about a podcast network like a Gimlet, they'll have mm-hmm. science versus ads basically on like a reply all episode. You know, come check out this other podcast. It's part of the Gimlet network. Are you doing anything like that or helping? Not not to that extent, but we there are definite behind the scenes things that are that go on. So each of our partners has access into a portal that we built for them. And you know, we 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 set up a, a, a free and a premium count because, you know, I'm not doing this for free. Sure. I'm trying to make some money here. Uh, so, you know, with the free accounts, you know, you can come in, you can put your blog or your podcast or your video channel on there. And we cap you on how many episodes we pull in a month. And then at the month, the first of the month, we restart it and we just look for the, you know, the first two new episodes every month. Um, you know, you come into the premium, we take those limits off. You can add, uh, you know, if you have a podcast, a blog, or multiple podcasts and a blog and a video channel and a Twitch feed, bring them all in. And, you know, we, we do the social media promotion of the episodes. If you look at, at Stadium Scene on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, you know, you'll see new episodes coming in, new blog posts coming in. And those are, those are our premium members uh, that, uh, you know, that pay for that service. Uh, on top of that, too... Uh, we actually have what we call the MVP training camp. And we actually put together blog posts uh, or videos with instructional guides on how, how can I make it better? And we, you know, some of it is, is technical. Some of it's like, you know, social media. Um, you know, one of the, uh, the posts we put in the other week is how do you get famous people to come on your show? And without revealing too much, um, you know, we, we provide the step-by-steps of, you know, we've used these steps personally, you know, yep. this is how we got, you know, John Anderson from, from sports center. Uh, we went through the process of ESPN and went through their media relations department, followed that process. And the next thing I know, I've got an email coming in from John Anderson saying, Hey, can you call me? This sounds cool, but I need to know a little bit more before I say yes. And Next thing I know, I'm on the phone talking to a guy who I've seen on SportsCenter for the last 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's just just wild. So ESPN has like an official outreach or PR department that you can you can say, hey, I want to interview this person. Fox, CBS, you name it. They, they all have pretty much a standard process. There's a little variation between, uh, you know, between them. And the other thing, too, is like, you know, it depends on the guest you're targeting. Uh, you know, if, if you're thinking of ESPN, you know, no offense, I, I love John Anderson, but he's not the first person you think of when you think of ESPN. He's been there for a long time. Again, another wonderful person who spent 75 minutes. I asked him for a half hour. He gave us 75 minutes of his time and then went in and did Sports Center later that night. But, you know, if you went and you want to go and talk to, I'm going to just say, you know, one of the first names you think of Chris is probably... Berman. You know Stephen A. Smith. You know, is Chris Berman even still there? I, I don't know. He's he's the OG though, <laughs> but, right? He's, he's... Yeah. Well, yeah, right. But you know, Stephen A. Smith is the name you hear most often, or you know, Michael Wilbon or, or Mike Greenberg. You know, these, you know, these guys are kind of the face of the network. The, the chances that you you get a favorable response, you know, you should temper your expectations a little bit. Yeah, you know, and then also how you approach it too is is a major. You know, it is a major step to getting a response, a favorable response. And, you know, it, it should go without saying, you know, you want to be professional. Um, 
don't come in and say, Hey, I want four hours of your time to do a Joe Rogan style <laughs> interview. Like that'll never happen. And I'm probably uh, not going to pay you for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they, you, you have to be reasonable, respect their time, you know, outline what you want to talk about. And it also helps too, that if you come emailing from, you know, if you have your podcast, Go buy a website. Get an email address with your website. You know, if you send your your you know again, no offense, you send a Gmail to the worldwide leader PR department, the odds that they respond goes down just a little bit. They might, but you know, seeing it as a at you know your dot com is going to get a better response than at gmail dot com or at yahoo dot com or whatever you know email you use as your your personal email. Who has been a guest that you've had that you have been most shocked said yes, that they would come on your podcast? Uh, hands down, Chris Myers. Okay. Chris Myers of Fox Sports. You know, Chris has been around for God, 30 years, 30 years plus now. You know, he worked for ESPN before he went to Fox. You know, he's been covering NASCAR on Fox since 2001. He was O.J. Simpson's first interview after the acquittal of his murder trial. Jeez. Um, he, as as a high schooler, one of his first interviews was Muhammad Ali. You know, he covers football games on Fox. He does baseball games. He actually works for the Cubs part-time doing a few Cubs games a year on the Marquee Channel. I mean, this guy's done it all he's covered super bowls he's you know he's there on the face of daytona the daytona 500 for fox i mean he's covered every major sporting event in this country over the last 30 years he has interviewed just legends of the sport and i can't even imagine the numbers that are in his phone book yeah so how did you go about preparing for that that's that's a, a great point one is you need to find out everything you can about this person. You know, if you're interviewing a, a, another podcast, you know, like if you're interviewing me, there's not a lot about me. There's not much to work on. But if you're bringing on, you know, somebody who's at the top tier level, they're a legendary figure, you know, they're going legendary status. You, you got to find everything about them. And from my standpoint, my goal is I want to find something that catches them off guard that, my research was so deep that I even caught them off guard. And it could be something super cheesy, super random, but you know the, the, the look you get from that person is just priceless when you ask them about it. And I asked Chris, he had a cameo, a very, very brief, like 30-second cameo in this comedy movie called Rat Race in 2001. Chris has a very, very brief cameo where he's making fun of Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character, who is this referee who screws up a coin toss, and now like the referee's like gone into hiding. as um, one of the many, many subplots of this movie. And Chris is making fun of him, and, and I said, I want to ask you a question real quick. What were you doing when you know, somebody came to you and said, I want you to do a cameo for a movie called Rat Race? And it was just so random and so deep research that he just, it just, it, you could see it, it caught him off guard. Um, the videos on our YouTube page, you go find that in there. It's probably about 10 minutes into it. It caught him off guard that I, he couldn't believe that somebody was asking him about a 30 second cameo in a movie he made 20 yeah. years ago. 
And, and it's the things like that that just like, it shows them too that, you know, you did your homework, you know, you being able to put together an outline of the process you're going to go through and share the outline. You don't have to share all the questions with them, but share the outline with them and say, this is where I want to go with it. And this is what I want to ask you about. And these are the things I want to talk to you about. And, and that really goes a long way to one, having a good interview, but two, it, it also sets you up for the future too, because if you go and ask another Fox colleague of his and say, Hey, I sat down with Chris you know, in last year, and we did a we did an interview. There could be a chance where this person reaches out and says, "Hey, do you remember these guys?" And it's like if they had a favorable, you know, he had a favorable experience with us, which I I think he did. Yeah, I, I hope so. You know, it's yeah, I I think he did. Uh, you know, he's gonna be like, yeah, sure, they're great, and you know, that's just gonna get you more and more famous people. You know, especially someone who's been around the industry a long time and knows a lot of people. Did you notice any kind of listener bump after these episodes uh, mm-hmm. with Chris Myers, John Anderson, those those sorts of people? On the video side, not so much because we found out the hard way that people don't want to sit through 45-minute, 60-minute long YouTube videos of just random people interviewing. I mean, you know, the on the podcast side, still blows my mind to this day. Um, you know, I, I stumbled upon Bernard Pollard, you know, who... Purdue guy as well. Yep. NFL player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. NFL player. Uh, he's, you know, I, I stumbled across where it just, he, we followed him on Twitter after I had a random conversation saying, I wonder what Bernard Pollard's up to. And, and I found him, I followed him on Twitter. He managed to follow us back and then we started trading DMS. And so I, I have him on the show. This is when we're just doing straight audio. That episode to date has had 50,000 listeners. Wow. And I mean, that's a ton. I can't, I, it's a ton and I can't, and I don't, I don't know why. I mean, our, our other episodes have done very well. I'm, you know, I've interviewed, you know, some pretty big name people in, in the sports world over the last few years. And, but it just blows my mind where I look, I'm just like, I'm a nobody. And I sat down with a, a professional athlete wins the Super Bowl, and, uh, and 50,000, you're telling me 50,000 people downloaded this episode and, and listened to at least some of it? I, I, I just, I, I just, I, I feel like it was a mistake, but, you know, <laughs> it happened. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's a, a big number. Do you use any kind of notes or, or an outline or anything while you're recording? 100%. Yeah. Um, what do those look like? What are you preparing? It, it's nothing complicated. So I put together a show outline and... I have about 10 bullet points in here of what to talk or, you know, just some of his key points. And it's, you know, it's like, okay, so he hosted a talk radio show at 16 years old. He, at 16 years old, interviewed Muhammad Ali and the legendary Don Shula growing up in Miami. And, you know, he worked local TV in Miami and New Orleans before he moved on to ESPN and Fox Sports. You know, know, know the path that they went on is is critical to to a good interview that i've learned you know he's written multiple books he has an emmy award and it was hilarious too because he was interviewing us from his home office and you could see the emmy award on his bookshelf behind him when we were talking to him so like we have an emmy award winner on our on our show here yeah um you know we we you know i've got in this bullet points he said he's covered the super bowl he you know he calls play-by-play games for fox nfl um he's called 
baseball games. He's covered the World Series with Fox. Uh, he's covered the Masters. He's been on, on the Final Four, covering the Final Four. He's covered the Olympics. Uh, he's covered boxing events. He is credited with the last interview of John Wooden. And I have 30 minutes with him, and I was going to pack everything I could into that 30 minutes. And, you know, you know, we, we go through an S, you know, toss out a softball right away. And I said, you know, what point in your life did you know this this was what you wanted to do? You know, I always ask that of people that get into TV, into, you know, into journalism or mm-hmm. into broadcasting. I'm, I'm curious, what what was that defining moment for you? And I do recall him that, you know, he was that kid who called into sports radio talk shows all the time as the callers, and he kept calling and calling and calling. And then they let him come down to the studio and do like a late night, Saturday night thing at 16. And that's how he got into that role. And, you know, he went into that that first bullet point and, and told us the story behind it. And and the radio station sent him to a press conference where he asked Muhammad all the questions in the press conference. And so it sounds like you put together something of a resume or a, yeah. a CV, mm-hmm. maybe of your guest. Do you have anything else on there, or is that these are just like these are notes that you have about the person, and then you're trying to think of questions as you go? And th- yes, that so that's it. Is you know you don't want to sound too scripted. You know you you got that outline to kind of drive the flow, but of course they're going to make comments or they're going to say something that's going to kind of pique your attention, or you got to get that good follow up or get them to to go a little deeper into that or take a turn that you know you weren't expecting and you know being able to give a good follow-up is just as good as having a good organized outline uh, just because you know you, you get that depth and and people want to hear that depth and and being able to finish off the interview talking about you know what what do you you know what what should kids do today that want to be in your seat in 10, 15 years? Like what, what kind of advice would you give? And unfortunately I don't, I don't remember what his advice was, but um, you can always go back and listen if you're curious. Uh, So on that point a little bit, have you been, have you, have you read any books or watched anything that's helped you learn how to interview people or how to make your show? What have you, what have you done to, improve your skills as a podcaster or an interviewer beyond just experience or has it just been you know because you've because you've been making these for however long you've been making them that you've kind of figured this out it's it's all of the above um one of the books that i purchased early on it's called big podcast the author is david hooper h-o-o-p-e-r if you've never done a podcast before you know this book is 400 pages long it's you know it's a smaller physically smaller book so it's not that bad of a read if you've never done a podcast before i'm holding the book in my hand right now read it if you've podcasted before consider yourself a fairly decent podcaster skim it because there is still a lot of good information in there and especially after you start building up uh, a little bit of listenership you build up and you want to start getting into trying to track down sponsors for your show then yeah, they give you some of the kind of the basic steps that you want to take um, to do that. And one, that was a good thing. Number two is study the best. Um, you know, I we decided that we want to study podcast or study interviewing or treat it as an interview show. You know, Chris Myers, obviously one of the best. You know, he's been interviewing people for many, many years. Like I said, he had OJ Simpson. Yeah. Uh, an, another person that I've studied extensively 
uh, is Howard Stern. Yeah. Um, as, as, yes, as, as, you know, crude as some of his humor is and, and, you know, some of the things he's done and said over the years, Howard is an amazing interviewer because one, uh, the thing I, I steal from Howard is that he is always, you know, he tries to find those little nitty things that the little nitty gritty fine details that other interviewers miss. And he'll get into hour long discussions about those tiny little details. And it's almost always super compelling uh, to, to hear that side. And he'll get into topics and, you know, an example of uh, several years back, he had Conan O'Brien on as a guest and they ended up having a pretty extensive discussion about their, the mental health issues that both of them had gone through. And Conan admitted, which I don't think he'd ever admitted this in public before that, that he was on antidepressants and had been on antidepressants for years and that a lot of people in the comedy world are. And this is something that, you know, now that we're, we're starting to get a little bit better on that, that topic, but this was just groundbreaking at the time, you know, 10 years ago. Like, people didn't talk about this, especially, you know, baby boomer adults. Yeah. And they still don't to this day. And the fact that they had a, you know, a very extensive conversation, and Howard, you know, Howard's always been very open about himself and going to therapy uh, for years. And, and it, it's just, it, it's just super compelling to, you know, get into those topics and dive deep into them. Uh, it just give a different perspective than like, hey, you know, just, you know, the same surface level things you hear from a lot of interviewers. So beyond Howard Stern, do you have a, any particular show or host that you are trying to emulate maybe, or that you're looking up to? So this is a lesser known. Um, I, I have to give a shout out here to, I, I, you know, most people know who Gilbert Gottfried is. Yeah. He's got that ah, screechy voice. Yeah, yeah every, everybody knows Gilbert's. I thought even about if you don't know, trying his... it, but I, I, I yeah. backed away. I'm glad that you tried it. Yeah, I, you know, that's, I'll, I'll never, yeah, you know, it's, it's to the point I'll never say no to trying impressions or anything <laughs> like that. But you know, Gilbert has has been on a podcast for years, and his, you know, and it's a running joke that Gilbert will come into the studio and he won't even know who they're interviewing that day. Sometimes he's never even heard of the person that they're interviewing. His co-host is a comedy writer. His name is Frank Santo Padre. It, it's one of those like people in comedy know who he is, but the average person doesn't. But you know his work. You know he's one of those people, and he is another one of those brilliant interviewers. Where his goal is to get the guest to say. How did you know about that? Yep. And that's kind of where I stole that from. I, I have to give Frank his his props there. I mean, he's just an amazing researcher and, and and just he gets into those topics where it's he lets the guests drive the conversation, but he'll get in and find those topics that drive that conversation. And that's really what I, you know, I, I emulate as well. Is this the amazing Colossal podcast? It is. It is. Yes. Okay. You know, they... they kind of strive themselves to be kind of that archive of old Hollywood where they bring on old actors and writers and, you know, Norman Lear is a famous one. He's, he's still, you know, he's like 99 now and he's still like producing TV shows. He did like all in the family. I think the Jeffersons, I think. Well, I hope I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> somebody will fact check it. Somebody will so, double check yeah, it. Yeah, so, somebody fact check me, please. Yeah. But Leave a so, comment but, somewhere. Maybe we'll see it. Uh, yeah, you know, Norman Lear, you know, they, they bring these people in that, like, 
people our age may not be familiar with. But yeah, they, they bring these people in and they want to introduce them to a new generation of, of listeners. Like, you know, you got these 99-year-old people that were writing on TV in the 1950s, 1960s. And it's like, okay, you know, I, I, I've heard of him. I've heard his name before, but I didn't know really anything about him. Yep. And then you hear him, it's like, wow, this guy is just incredible. He's an amazing guy. I mean, just done amazing work over the years and and it's just you know they're they're in like episode 300 now or so on your podcast you work with a couple other co-hosts uh who are they and and how did you meet and bring them into your show so there's only one one co-host now okay um we we had two at one point um it's just you know we, we kind of went our own ways nothing there was nothing wrong it's just it wasn't the, the other host was not yeah, they were doing other things. Sure. It, it, it happens. Yeah, it happens. But my, my primary partner in this, uh, her name is Kate Thompson, and she reluctantly agreed to podcasting. She has reluctantly agreed to getting on video because she just does not like the sound of her voice. She doesn't like seeing herself on camera. She's, you know, she'll admit herself she's a little bit of a, a shy personality, and the only reason she agreed to do this is because she thought it was going to help with some of those confidence things. I, I kind of, by default, have kind of become the face of stadium scene, but Kate is behind the scenes, one, keeping me in line, or trying to keep me in line. And, you know, if she was listening to this right now, I'm sure she would have texted me a dozen times, shut up, you're rambling. Um, she does that when we, we record, like I'll have my phone sitting here and all of a sudden a text message will pop up from her and say, you're rambling. Yeah. (laughs) She doesn't want to interrupt the show, but she'll give me a subtle kick. Okay, come on, let's get back on topic here. But she, you know, she's the one I worked with. Uh, we, we worked in an office together when I was still living in Illinois. You know, most this, this concept all didn't come together until after, after I moved out here to Arizona, we kept it going. Uh, and it's, you know, way better than what it was, uh, when, when we started, Yeah, a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll, I'll pitch ideas and she'll pull me back like, okay, let's, let's take this one step at a time. Um, because if it was completely up to me, this probably would have flopped by now because I, you know, I have a little bit of, you know, discipline problems when it comes to like focusing on a strategic plan She's very strategic plan. I was going to ask you if you think the podcast would still be going on if it was just you. Uh, probably not. No. Um, you know, our, our podcast is actually, we'll say evolved again. You know, we've done, uh, I think, 107 episodes now. You know, we're, we're trying to focus on this year on quality over quantity, I guess, is our theme for this year. And we're working on building up that library of that, that training library. Uh, you know, we talked about earlier with the how to get famous guests on your show. Yeah. We talked about, you know, building tutorials on how to put your, you know, your blog or show your blog as Pinterest pins. Um, you know, that's another classic example that you know, we've worked on. You know, we're both technology people. We're both engineers by trade. And a lot of publishers and people that talk are not. Um, you know, we, we're trying to bridge that gap between people who talk and people who are technical. Speaking of the technical side of things, did you have any kind of history with audio recording before you got into podcasting? <laughs> well, no. Um, 
Did you find podcasting starting it to be difficult because of that? Uh, no, actually, so this this isn't my first rodeo when it comes to podcasting. Um, back in 2005, when like the, the whole podcast thing kind of started and, um, you know, you have to sync your iPod to your computer to yeah. download your podcasts and then you listen on the go. So I, I was working at an internship for a company. My friend was a, I guess, a regional sales manager, uh, for, for a small company. And I was hired as an intern to do like like 2D CAD drawings of their uh, their work, uh, of their products, so that they can put them into like marketing materials. And they didn't give me a lot of direction, and there was a lot of downtime. And you know, we we figured we had a couple hours to kill. And he's like, "Hey, check this this Garage Band thing I found on here." And we just hit record, and we we started kind of just reading the news and making fun of news stories and making fun of people in the news stories. And, and then we saved it as a podcast and it was a lot harder to publish a podcast back then. You didn't have, you know, anchor or I'm blanking on, on the, some of the other hosts out there, Yeah. but you didn't, you didn't have these companies where it's like, okay, you just upload this file, record the audio on your iPhone or your Android phone. And then next thing you know, it's on 10 different podcast platforms. Like you had to create the file and code the RSS file yourself yeah, and put it in iTunes. I think I tried to do something like that at one point. I I had to actually buy a website and put the you know put yeah. the podcast on there, and so and then you'd have the you know, the web. Your analytics. server would feed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it was a pain, and we did like I don't know twenty episodes or something like that that summer where we we're just reading the news, and then we, you know, we'd have people call us on on Skype, and and we'd like just talk to random people that we knew and uh, just tell dumb stories. And, and that was kind of my first, you know, first visit into podcasting. And, you know, that was, you know, 10, 12 years later. When I started doing this, it was so much easier for me that I could just jump right into it because I went through that pain over a decade before. Um, so it was actually pretty easy for me to, to, you know, get back into it. I mean, finding that rapport and, and the, the the quality of content obviously took a lot longer, um, but as as far as the technical aspect and recording it, we've gone through a couple different methods. You know, right? Like, yeah. What are you using right now? What are you What are you using to record? What's your microphone? What's your software? What What do you have going? So I've got a blue USB microphone. Uh, I splurged years ago on that for i don't know why and i've had it i had it sitting in a box and i'm like well i guess i'm going to use this thing now um so this blue mic brand microphone has been uh, my trusty podcasting sidekick now for the last you know six five six years uh recording it you know we would use uh garage band to record when we were an audio based show uh we you know when apple allowed you to take calls on your on your macbook uh, you know, we get people on the phone and, you know, we'd sometimes we use Skype if people, you know, some of our early guests, we would just call them uh, on the phone and then just patch it through to the MacBook and just record that as a, a channel on, you know, in GarageBand. But, you know, since the, the pandemic started, when we started doing a, a video based version, we just hit record in uh, in Zoom and say heck with it. I mean, I'm not uh, I, I've learned that 
you you may have the best technical sounding podcast ever. If the content sucks, yep. nobody's going to listen. And yeah, there's some issues with Zoom and the, the camera on the MacBook isn't great. But, you know, and that we it makes it easy. Like, it's a lot easier for me to hop on a Zoom call with somebody uh, or, you know, even some of the, the older guests who are not super, you know, technologically inclined and I'm not naming names here. You know, you send them a Zoom link, they can get onto Zoom on their iPhone and talk to us on their phone. And it makes it really easy to record. And we can focus, instead of making sure that all the technical pieces work and everybody can hear each other, you get everybody on Zoom, you hit record, and you can focus on making the best quality show as far as interviewing and content and flow go. You guys have, if I'm remembering this right, you have like lower thirds and graphics and stuff on your video, don't you? Yeah. How are yeah, you doing that with Zoom? So that's that's all post production. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I use a I use a software package called Wonder uh, Wondershare Filmora. Um, it's it's a I, I was it's it's a bit better than than iMovie, but not quite up to like the the professional level of editing. But it's really simple to use, and so I'll take the Zoom video on there and I'll I'll throw it into Filmora. Uh, you know, throw a title card on the front. You know, we made our little introduction using some stock footage of, you know, at the beginning, it's a flyover of downtown Phoenix. Yep. And then it cuts over to a flyover of Lakeshore Drive in Chicago, which represents, you know, me for Phoenix, Kate for Chicago, because that's where she lives. And, uh, you know, it really shows, you know, you know, with stock footage, you know, you put like a blue filter on it, it makes it look cool. Yeah. I mean, it was really, I, I learned how to do it playing around with it for about 20 minutes. I mean, it, it's, I'm not getting super involved in the technical aspect and there's plenty of mistakes and you can tell the editing is pretty amateurish um, on, on the video front. But like I said, people generally will forgive you for the little technical mistakes. I mean, there's, there's a few people out there will nitpick on things like that, but people are there for the content. And if you're providing good content, it doesn't sound like a, uh, a, you know, a staticky AM radio, they're going to stick around. Do you do any editing on your episodes beyond just popping it into that video program? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's, there's, you know, we've, we've, you know, we have technical moments with zoom where somebody will lock up and disappear. I mean, I'll cut that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, with the audio side, you know, zoom makes the, M- the MP3 file that I bring into GarageBand, and I'll put the intro on and the exit music on it. And uh, clean that up a little bit, you know, do a tiny little bit of, of editing on the sound to kind of balance it out because I'm naturally loud. Sorry for your editing. Um, <laughs> no, I've, I've got you pretty balanced. I'm naturally loud. Uh, Kate's naturally soft. So trying to you know balance the two of us out can be a challenge sometime. Um, but that's really about it. Do you batch any episodes? Like, do you do uh, multiple interviews in a day and have a couple stashed up, or is it one at one at a time? Uh, we we tried that for a while. So from March 2020 to, um, let's see, it was from about March 2020 to about April 2021, we put out a new episode every single week. Yep. And like over the Christmas time, we did a a best of episode where. Kate and I talked for like 10 minutes and just did like a brief like, oh, this is my favorite moment from the year. And, you know, let's cut back to when we talked to John Anderson. Do you have uh, any favorite lesson or what would you say is the most important lessons that you've learned about podcasting since you started? 
So I would say one is be prompt, whether you're the guest or the interviewer, you know, don't be late, no matter you know, which position you're in, show up on time. You know, second is just be aware of their time. If, if the guest makes it clear to you that they have 20 minutes or they have half an hour, you know, you make sure that you get that done in 20 minutes or a half hour, have a stopwatch running, know your time that you can get through and, and keep things moving along. Being able to hold them to that schedule, one, it you know, abruptly ending your episode midway through because your guest has to go is is awkward yeah. for one. Um, but two, you know, it shows preparation from your standpoint that you you know you you plan this out, you got it all the way through. The third thing is prepare, prepare, prepare. Um, you know, if if your guest, even if your guest isn't famous, you know, if they're they're a podcaster, they've done thirty episodes or so, go through and look at their episodes, listen to a couple of them. You know, understand their style, understand what they like to talk about, understand kind of, you know, the, the theme of their show and, and, you know, getting that basic understanding of, of their perspective in their show is going to give you a much better perspective as far as interviewing that person. Um, you know, if they're famous, obviously you, know, you can go and you can start at Wikipedia and just drill down from there and you could get endless amounts of information and talk to a person all day, but know your guest, regardless of if they're famous or not. I think that's really good advice. Uh, DJ, I have a, a ton of questions that we didn't have a chance to get to. <laughs> we are at the, the hour and a half limit that I have set for this evening. Is there anything else that we should talk about? Did we miss anything that you really wanted to cover that I didn't ask you? I mean, the, the big thing with, with stadium scene is, you know, we, we work, like I said, it's, you know, it's, it's a business. We're out to make money off the deal, but you know, it's, it's also a community, you know, all of our members come in, they have access to everybody's contact information inside the network. You know, if you need a guest, if you want to go and reach out to somebody else's show, uh, you get yourself out there. We make that available regardless of if you're a free or a paid customer. Um, you know, we think that being able to leverage those resources off of each other is going to be the quickest way to get that initial growth for you. Um, you know, it's, it's a ton of work, there's no magic solution that you're going to come out here and this is going to build up your followers, as I've said many times throughout this episode. But if you're willing to put in the work and you know, use those resources around you, get those guests, get yourself out there, put your name out there, um, you're going to have a much better chance of being successful. Cool. I think that's great advice. Where, where can people find you? Where do you want to send people? All right, so st check us out at stadiumscene.tv. That's the website. You can check out our 211 partners spread across eight countries. Um, the only continent we are not on in is South America. At Stadium Scene on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Twitch. Um, at Stadium underscore Scene on Instagram because someone beat us to the Stadium Scene handle somehow years ago. Uh, even though they haven't posted on it since 2015, you know, we've, we're getting into live video actually. Um, you know, this is going to be after this, this airs, but, uh, you know, we're, we're actually doing our first live esports shows. Cool. And yeah, so we're getting into the, the iRacing and, and we're going to have a, a broadcast team doing the play by play of the event. I'll be participating as a driver in it. Um, but we're going to try to do some live video moving in 2022 and, you know, check out, uh, it's called Wednesday night dash airs at 10 PM East seven Pacific on, uh, twitch.tv forward slash stadium scene and, and YouTube search stadium scene. Uh, you'll find it. 
replays will be available right after the episode airs. So check that out. Uh, we're on most Wednesday nights. Awesome. Uh, I'll probably check that out. I enjoy watching some of that stuff. So thanks for sharing that. And thank you for your time. Thank for thank you for you know sharing all of this awesome information about your podcast i really appreciate it and it was nice to you know reconnect with you again yeah absolutely appreciate you having me on that was my conversation with dj fluck electrical engineer aspiring media mogul and host of stadium scenes main event podcast which can be found on all of the major podcast networks you can also find dj at stadiumscene.tv My name is Chris Cookley, and you can find me at whomakesapodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be an enormous help if you shared it with your friends or left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. It really does make a difference. And if you host a podcast and would like to be my next guest on Who Makes a Podcast, let me know. Go to whomakesapodcast.com slash guest and tell me about your show. This is Who Makes a Podcast. I'll be back next time with another conversation with another incredible podcast host. Thanks for listening.